0: to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Wednesday, January 22nd, 2020. I'm Shannon, and I'm here with Brooke, Stacey, Min, and Natalia, and we are going to talk this evening about disability representation in fiction, and this is something that we've all kind of tossed around for a while, wanting to do an episode like this, and so here we are to do it for you, talk about some of the best and the worst representations of people with disabilities in fiction. Some of the authors that we'll talk about um, do have disabilities and so we have a little bit of kind of an own voices um, section but a lot of this is able-bodied people writing about disabled characters and not always doing it with as much sensitivity, um, grace, common sense maybe um, as, as we would like. So before we dive into the episode, I just want to go over the usual stuff. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Okay. Are we ready to talk about disabilities in fiction?
1: Oh my gosh, I'm so ready.
0: Okay. So Stacy is going to start us off, followed by Min, then me, Brooke, and Natalia. And we'll give um, a brief description of the books that we're talking about just so that you can have some idea of like what what the genre is, what the basic storyline is. But a lot of the discussion today will be sort of on the depiction of characters with disabilities. All right, Stacy, we are ready whenever you are.
1: I discovered this author that I'm going to talk about first by accident, because I saw um, in the book description that one of the characters in this book is beginning the process of losing her vision. And I thought, oh, I'm gonna, you know, look this up. And the book is The Hard Truth About Sunshine by Sawyer Bennett. And I, this book was just so much. Um, so to, to try to keep it uh, spoiler free, it's about a group of young adults um, ranging in age from just shy of 18 uh, up to 26. And they are in an outpatient uh, psychiatric uh, like a, a group that meets and um, and our our hero in this book, he's in this group because it's either go to this group or serve some jail time for um, for hitting someone. And so he is very angry. He um, he was uh, in the military. He's a veteran. He um, uh, sustained some pretty significant injuries, and now he has um, a prosthetic leg and. Um, a bunch of damage from shrapnel, um, and a pretty significant case of PTSD and depression. And so he's forced either to sit with this group of people he doesn't care about or to go to jail. So he's like, well, screw it, and goes to this group. And in this group, there is um, a young man who um, has a cancer diagnosis, a terminal cancer diagnosis, Um, a young woman who's losing her vision, and another young woman who um, is dealing with some very significant depression. And all of them, well, besides our veteran, they all decide they're gonna take a road trip together um, so that the, the character with terminal cancer can, um, can do some things on this cross-country road trip that are on his bucket list. And this cross-country trip that they go on turns them into this amazing little family and teaches them all how to work together and how to support each other and how to overcome various challenges and obstacles in a realistic way. And that's all I'm gonna say about it. But um, I picked up this book because I was interested in the blind character. And while I liked her and while I felt like the way that her um, vision loss was discussed was very um, respectful, honestly, it was the our hero, the veteran that really captured me and um, it was told exclusively from his point of view, which is not typical of a book with romantic elements. And all of the things that he was working through were so incredibly deep Um, and how by the end, how he had learned to um, not only rely on himself and to kind of find faith in himself again, but how to rely on this group and how to, it's, it's like basically found family and it's amazing. I will tell you there's content warning um, for uh, there's very frank discussion of suicide. Um, So if that is triggering, you might want to give this book a pass, but it was one of the most beautiful books I have read in a very long time. And I, I read it a couple weeks ago, preparing for this episode and I'm still thinking about it. Um, You know, the the author really delved into a lot to do with um, mental health. And PTSD, I feel like she did it in a very realistic way, um, you know. And I, I feel like um, she treated mental illness with respect and mental health issues with respect, rather than either romanticizing it or making it into something, you know, evil or wicked. It was just it is what it is. Um, and and I, I can't say with a hundred percent certainty, but I do feel as though she. Um, discussed uh, everything around uh, this veteran losing his leg in a very respectful and realistic way. So I have nothing but really nice things to say about this book. And so if you have a chance, I would encourage you to pick up um, Sawyer Bennett's The Hard Truth About Sunshine. And I don't think any of you have read it, have you? No. It's very intense. (laughs) I really, really loved it. And very sad and very deep and very, very beautiful.
0: I want it. You need it.
2: The first book I'm going to be talking about tonight uh, was the first book that I read for 2020. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was the perfect book for me to begin my year in a really positive, in a really impactful way. And it's Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert. Yay. And it's the first book in her Brown sister's. <laughs> trilogy and I'll um, we'll keep the description brief but it's about Chloe Brown who is a woman with a uh, chronic illness she has fibromyalgia and um, and she almost gets killed and um, she's kind of lived her life. Um, in this bubble, because of her chronic illness, so because of this near death experience, she decides that she 's going to live life to the fullest um, and so she creates this list of things that she wants to accomplish, and um, the, the first thing of that is move out of her family 's house and she moves into her own apartment and she meets the superintendent of Redford Morgan. Um, who is smoking hot <laughs> and um, you know, they have this really beautiful blossoming relationship um, where it kind of went from mutual dislike into um, this kind of like beneficial, like mutually beneficial um, relationship. And it is a romance and I think it's a really, beautiful romance um, because Chloe's chronic illness and which is it's a disability um, was done in a really raw, really um, really realistic, Way of how some disabilities and a lot of chronic illnesses um, kind of like impact your life and um, kind of make you not live your life the way you want to. Um, and I felt like Talia Hibbert portrayed Chloe as someone who is really strong and really courageous, but also at the same time really vulnerable and kind of um, has this, not self-hatred, but um, just self-doubt because of her disability and how other people have treated her in the past. And what I really liked about this book, besides for, I think, um, positive portrayal of disability was how Red, um, treated Chloe as a person you know who there was this really powerful quote in the book where he was like you know he saw her as a sexual being and she was just this person with an illness on top of that and it was just that was her um, it was a part of her but it wasn't her entire identity and throughout the book there was just different signs of red recognizing her limitations and not um, like faulting her for it but just um, making sure that she could do things within her limits Um, and I just thought it was really beautiful and I highly recommend it it was definitely a great book for me to start out my year and like it's still with me like a month later so and this is Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert.
1: So I I really like that in this book, there was no like romanticizing of the disability. Um, and I really also liked that it was not like a pity thing, like, oh, this poor woman, you know, she has days where mm-hmm. she needs a shower seat or like, you know, that was just part of who Chloe was. And I just liked that it wasn't the central, there was more to her, you know, way more to her than the disability. It just was one of the things that made her so lovely. And tart, a little bit tart. And I don't know, this is just, this is my (laughs) first book by Talia Hibbert. And like, it will not be my last. Like, it was really, really well written, I thought. Mm -hmm. Like, I wanted to read everything she writes.
0: This has been on my list since I first heard about it, like at the end of 2019. So I really need to actually sit down with it and spend some time because it looks amazing
1: well and she wrote another book too this author about a woman on the autism spectrum and from what I've heard my my sister has read Sarah has read this book but I have not and she Mm. said it was so lovely and respectful and I don't remember the name of it I'm feeling really bad a girl like 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 I think okay yeah yeah And,
2: um, I need to read that. I I haven't seen
1: that one. If you have, if you have audible, it's in the audible escape too. Um,
2: but, but Sarah said
1: it was beautiful and another very honest and respectful depiction of disability. And I feel like I read somewhere that, um, the author, um, has identified as someone on the autism spectrum, I think Asperger's. I
0: think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think I've read that as well yeah. or heard it like, it's not an, an interview maybe.
1: So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see that portrayal as well. I just think she's an author that is just, she's doing it all right. <laughs> that's
3: mm-hmm. what I so
0: my first pick tonight Um, Is by an author who does not identify as having a disability. Um, But her daughter apparently um, has, I don't know if she's completely deaf or if she's hard of hearing. Um, I can't remember which she, like how she identifies. But this is Karen Rose. And the book that I want to talk about is her latest one It's Into the Dark. It is the fifth book in the Cincinnati series. And I love it so much. Um, If I could talk about everything. That Karen Rose writes, um, I I could be really happy to do that, but that would not be relevant or probably um, all that interesting, so I won't. But this is Danny's story, and Danny is a doctor. She is hard of hearing; she wears a hearing aid, um, I think, in both ears, and she's also HIV positive. Now, I cannot speak to the depiction of these disabilities in terms of like, you know, I'm, I'm blind, I'm not deaf, I don't have HIV. But what I can say is that her characters with disabilities, Danny included, are very real, um, well-drawn, fully realized characters. So Danny has a, a lot on her plate, um, but she is very, I don't know, she's not one of those people that you're like, oh, you know, you're, you're such a martyr, you do all these like great works. And you're so, you know, you're just so fantastic. And it must be because you have a disability. Like, that's not, that's not Danny. Danny does a lot of great things. And she's a really fantastic person. But like, um, like Min was saying about Chloe Brown, her disability is just kind of a, a piece of that. So this is romantic suspense and Danny is a doctor. She also works as kind of an emergency foster care provider for kids who have hearing impairments. So she takes in these two young boys and it's pretty obvious that they have both been traumatized. Um, The older boy is deaf. And so it's all this, you know, they're trying to figure out like who is responsible for this terrible thing that these boys have witnessed. And Danny's love interest is just this really, really fantastic, like kind of gruff seeming, kind of scary guy who, once you get to know him, like in this series, um, he's just amazing. He's like this very big hearted, um, just fantastic man. And one of the things that works so well for me about Karen with Karen Rose's writing is, you know, we all talk about wanting to read books where the disability, like the story, doesn't revolve around the disability. Where you just like meet characters, and some of them happen to be disabled, and that's how she writes. So Danny is deaf, but a lot of other people that you have met throughout Karen Rose's um, writing career have also um, had, had hearing issues. So, you know, it's like uh, the supporting characters, um, you know, also have disabilities and it's just like a marvelous piece of their personalities. And it just feels like it's a very natural, very organic way of encountering disability, just like you would in the real world. Like you could just meet somebody who's blind or deaf or in a wheelchair. And that's just like how she presents it. And I love what she does on a number of levels, but um, that one being, like, the most relevant for this discussion. So this is Into the Dark. It is the fifth book in her Cincinnati series. The series starts with Closer Than You Think, or you can go all the way back to, like, the inception of the series and start with um, Don't Tell.
3: That's and what that you should is
0: do. the Chicago series. Yes, technically you should, because there's should. so much, like, greatness to... Uh, it- uncover.
3: Yes, and I'm i I'm a stickler for order. I am one of those. It has to be order in order. It's important. It's very important. I I completely agree. I loved this book. I was waiting so long for Danny's story. Oh my goodness. But um not only that, I just it's like instead of I just feel like instead of writing a story where the character about a disabled character she writes a story about a person a human being who happens to have a disability and she makes them human like everyone else and I think that's amazing and it's not very common I believe her daughter is deaf completely deaf Um, okay that maybe because she's most comfortable with that disability since she's with it all the time or encounters it every day that's what she's writing about but she also writes about a lot of other you know topics and Uh, She seems to do it with sensitivity and and realism and, you know, makes them human like everyone else, which I appreciate.
1: So if you are someone like me who is a bit of a mood reader and doesn't always do a series in order, um, would I miss out on pieces of this story if I started with this book that I really want to read? Yes. Okay, all right. Um,
4: So I'm going to stick with... um people who have a hearing loss. And so this author, from what I understand, she has a hearing, she has hearing loss of her own. So this is Alison Gervais, and her book is The Silence Between Us. So this book is about a young girl named um, Maya. I was trying to remember what her name was. <laughs> so this book's about a young girl named Maya. And Maya has gone to a deaf school for a really long time. But her mom is transferred um, across the country. So now she must go to um, a mainstream school, so public school. And not only does she now not have the support of her friends that she had, back in her former place of living but now she must also learn to kind of integrate herself into the hearing world and it's just kind of this book's really neat because it brings forth a lot of the issues in a very sensitive in a very realistic manner and just the relationship that's between her and one of the characters he decides that he's going to learn ASL and even though she pushes them away and pushes them away, he's determined that he's going to get to know her. So it's really it's a really cute relationship kind of building in the book. Um, and one part that I thought was really interesting is she brought in the whole issue of, like, cochlear implants and how a lot of people kept asking the character, like, why don't you get it? Like, wouldn't it, wouldn't life be better with one? And she really, really stuck to her guns and said, no, like, that's not me. And I, if you don't like the way that I am, then that's just the way that, like, then I don't need you in my life. So I thought that was really, really well done. I don't know, I, like, even though I have a very small, like, my, compared to this character, my hearing, my hearing loss is, like, nothing compared to this character, but I still felt that I could kind of relate in terms of how people treat me with my vision and asking me like, well, wouldn't it be better if you got back your site? Like, would you want it back? And Mm -hmm. um, if you could, like, would you take it back and stuff like that? So I just thought it was really well done. So this was um, The Silence Between Us by Allison Gervais. I have this downloaded. I have not read it yet though. It's really, really good. Like it's really good. It's well done. I See, my, I think I only I think my only complaint would be that I feel like the character could have been a little bit less um I don't know, a little less rude to the other characters cuz I felt like oh. I felt <laughs> like, I felt like they were they were being like um told like made made feel as though they were making her feel bad but her hearing when i don't think that they meant it like it just felt like that that part was a little bit uh, i wonder though brooke is this about teenagers by chance yes oh, so teenagers
3: can that, be rude
4: that's why i say it's realistic yeah, but, I'm wondering if she's working but, through
1: her angst about being away from her place and with this new group of people and resentful because they're not her friends in the deaf community. Like, I think, I don't know, I haven't read this, but it's going yeah right on my TBR. Like, I, this sounds I, really I, like, good.
4: totally felt it was realistic because yeah. even, it's gonna sound, maybe I'll sound a little bit bad, you might wanna pull this out, but, like, I just find, like, when I do relate, like, when I associate, like, when I get together with people that are deaf as opposed to just hearing hearing loss, there is that. Me again, like me and you, kind of. Uh-huh. Thing. Like there's not that. It's not. There's not so much of an us. I, I don't know if I like. I find that with. Us and them. Yeah, that's That's the word I want.
3: <laughs> yeah, us and them. Yeah, some blind people are like that too. It's. Yeah, I think so it's a defense mechanism sometimes. So
4: I felt it was really realistic and it was well done. I just I felt that it had been a little bit. <laughs> they could have
2: been a little nicer to the characters. Yeah, I feel like it's it, it's kind of common in, in the disabled community. If you're more disabled or less disabled, there's this more kind of... Divide? Like, to, I feel like some totally blind people kind of resent partially sighted people for having some sight, and then vice versa. Uh-huh. Partially sighted people for sure. don't are just like they're kind of in both worlds. and yeah, So for example,
4: like I can't really see anything that's worth helping. Like, it, so as far as I tell people, I tell people I'm blind, but I really am not. Like I can see something, but it's not anything that's actually going to help me at all. Like, like it doesn't, like I can't, yeah, it's really, really not functional. So, mm-hmm. but if I was to say I'm blind to some totally blind people, they would be take that completely offensively because mm-hmm. i'm not totally blind right
0: hmm.
4: all right
3: natal never thought of that oh. the first book i'm going to talk about i knew i had to talk about it in this episode um because i was interviewed for this book yay oh my gosh yay. and it's It's so famous. So cool. I don't know. Well, I actually met this author at the Romance Writers of America convention back before the scandal. (laughs) (laughs) And um, she referred me to the author that wrote this book. And we had a really great email exchange uh, because she wanted to talk to a blind person with a guide dog. Because at the time, she hadn't decided if she was going to give her character a guide dog. Or not. And, oh, it was a great conversation. The book is called Touched by Love by Melissa Foster. And, oh, my, this book was so cool. Um, So this is a romance about Janie. Uh, She's a main character, and she's blind. And she's a technical editor for a company. I don't know what the heck a technical editor is, but that sounds cool. And she's fiercely independent. She's so independent, and her parents are super overprotective of her, which is very common uh, in our community, I would say. So she moves to New York to get away from, I guess, her feelings of being stifled because she wants to be super independent. And it turns out that Melissa decided not to give her a guide dog and instead to give her a cane because with a guide dog, perhaps this wouldn't have happened to her. So she's super independent, and one day she's walking to the train and. She overcompensates, I guess, and she trips over her cane and the truncated... the What do you call that? The dome thing? The truncated domes. And she falls. Yeah, the truncated domes. I'm sorry. We were just talking about this. My brain is broken. And she falls. And, well, it kind of causes her to be out of shape for a while. So um, she's going to have to use crutches, and her independence is not necessarily going to be what she wants it to be now the reason i like this because it's like i mean you could say oh my gosh wow book about blind person that falls but i what i liked about this is that this kind of accident could happen to anybody um i know when i lived in boston a lot of people tripped and fell um i even one time saw a baby stroller fall into the tracks and oh my god yeah but the baby survived um and cool. you know was unscathed bikes but, too yep. yeah bikes i mean it happens to anybody so it started mm-hmm. off on a good point i really love that it was something that could happen to everybody uh i love the research that she did i mean you know i've always read books about blind people and sometimes they'll mention braille and it'll be a it'll be a book that takes place in like 2014 let's say and they're still talking about Um, audio cassettes for blind people. (laughs) uh So I really loved how, you know, she had an iPhone and she was using voiceover to text. And I um, love the romance. So the romance is with Boyd. He's a firefighter and he's trying to get into medical school. That's his ultimate dream. He happens to be around when this woman falls into the train track and he um you know helps her out he's kind of made it his mission to help her get around and and to help her because i can't i can't imagine using two crutches and my cane oh my god no. Um, so but what i really liked is that you know even though this character was blind the focus wasn't on her blindness and it was more on I mean her blindness was part of it you know because she's very she was one of those people that really wanted to be independent and hated counting on other people but I think that in general a lot of people don't like to count on other people Um, so it wasn't you know, completely about that. And I, I love how she, how, you know, in every romance novel, there's a conflict, right? There's always a conflict and there's always a resolution. And what I really loved about this is that the conflict and the resolution had nothing to do with blindness at all, which I thought was really, really great. So this is Touched by Love um, by Melissa Foster. And as I said, it's a romance novel where the main character happens to be blind and it isn't, an issue, which is probably the first and maybe I would say only book I've ever read about a blind character that I really, I cannot say anything negative about that part of this book at all.
2: That's high praise. It's true. To read
0: it. So we are changing the order a little bit here in this second round. This is our last round of full descriptions of books, and then we'll do kind of some brief honorable mentions of either very good or very bad representation. So Stacy is going to start us out again, um, and then she'll be followed by Natalia, then Min, then me, and then Brooke.
1: Okay, as Min would say, I have to do my yoga breathing when I talk about this book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, what I'm gonna talk about is Um, It's called Caught Up in You, um, The Monroe Brothers Book Two by Jules Bennett. And I must start out by saying that I understand that what I'm going to be doing here basically is ripping this author's work apart. And um, part of me feels some guilt about this because I'm I'm sure that she worked very hard um, to produce this book and put a lot of her heart and soul into it, but having said that, uh, there was so much wrong. So the brief description is that, um, there are three brothers, the Monroe brothers. Um, and from what I can gather, they were all adopted and all had some childhood trauma. Um, and they were adopted by this family who lived in like this antebellum mansion in Georgia and their sister died. Um, and that's not a secret. She died prior to this series, or at least prior to this book. I didn't read, Anything else in the series, but um, the sister passed away. And after her death, they realized that she had been drawing up very extensive plans um, to turn the mansion into a spa specifically for women. So the brothers are having to work together to build this or to make her dream uh, the reality. And so um, Braxton, who is usually a college professor in real life, is there helping build this, you know, renovate this spa. And he is given the task of um, interviewing the massage therapists for the spa. And the way that he is going to do this is he is going to be face down and he is going to get a massage and he's very uncomfortable because he thinks massages are not masculine enough for him. So he's laying face down on the table. Um, That's my first problem because massages are whatever. Anyway, so he's laying on the table and this woman comes in with this sultry voice and lovely laugh and magic hands and basically turns him into complete putty on the table. And he's just so impressed. He knows he's going to hire her. And so he gets up, puts his clothes on, and she says, I'll come back in the room when you're ready. And when she comes back in the room, she's w- she has a yellow Labrador that's walking with her. And all of a sudden, and she keeps looking over his shoulder, and that's when he realizes that this woman with the magic hands and sultry voice and sexy laugh is blind. And it's like you can hear the needles scratching across the record here. And right away, he says, oh, my gosh, um, I, don't think this, I don't think you can do this job. How can you do this job when you're blind? Um, how are you going to get to work? I mean, all things that we know that based on the idea, you cannot ask during an interview, but, um, and then she has to prove herself to him again, that she has the capability to do this job. Um, and so I have to be transparent and tell you friends that I only made it to, ch- to chapter seven in this book, because there were so many, so many, 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 many things wrong with it. Um, so basically from that point forward, um, so Cora is, is the, 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 heroine who's blind and she moved to this small town to get away from her wealthy parents who wanted to you know either cure her or keep her in bubble wrap so nothing would happen and she comes to this town because she wants to make it on her own as a massage therapist and she brings her guide dog Heidi and she's it's very important for her to be independent um but then you know he says well how are you going to get to the spa and she says I'll find a way And he says, well, I'm going to drive you. And she's like, no, I'll find a way. And then he's like, I'm going to drive you. So she caves and lets him drive her um, as her boss. He's going to drive her to work. And um, basically, this woman has no agency whatsoever. It's all about um, he moves her places. He's always touching her and grabbing her and infantilizing her in so many ways, um, getting out of the car. She says, I can do it just fine. And he refuses. He looms over her at the car door until she lets him help her out of the car. And, um, you know, when they get to the spa, he decides that um, for her tour of the spa, he decides that it'd be better, um, he wants her to hold onto him, not onto her guide dog. So he has provided for her dog in the kitchen, a bunch of like treats and dog food and a dog bed and expects her to leave her dog in this spa while he walks her around the spa. and there's so much wrong with that. And I, I don't want to get into like a super long discussion of why right now, I'm going to just finish this description. Um, and uh, basically they end up in the basement of this antebellum mansion, like in this tunnel system that's been there since before the civil war. And um, he, she says, we, we need to not, you know, do anything sexy times because you're my boss and blah, blah, blah. Then he pins her against the wall and kisses her. And what you the know, hell? This woman, right? This woman has no way to walk away from the situation. Um, of course she was right. All, like, she's right. She's trapped, it. basically. Right? She's trapped. She's
3: and there's look. The cat is the not cat liking this. <laughs> the
1: cat is mad. Um, <laughs> the cat's saying, "What the hell?" So basically, you know, this entire book, like they're they're going to go to a restaurant, and she says, "Oh, so on the way home from their trip to the spa for the tour, um, his brother." oh my god, there's just so much in this book, I'm not doing it justice. Um, so after the kiss in the basement, which bothered me, they go upstairs, she meets one of the other brothers, and right away he's like, well, you can't hire a blind woman like right in front of her, so that's awesome. But he, you know, Braxton, the hero, talks his brother into giving her a try, and on the way, and then he's gonna drive Cora home. And on the way home without consulting her, he decides, that she must be hungry, so he detours to take her to this restaurant to get a burger. And she says, oh, I hope, um, and she thinks to herself, well, uh, he didn't ask my permission first, but this is something that he wants to do, so I'm gonna let him feel like a a hero and take me out to dinner. Um, And then she says to him, oh, I hope the owner will let Heidi, the guide dog, come into the restaurant. Now, this book was written in 2016. So at that time, the Americans with Disabilities Act was 26 years old. And guide dogs are allowed in all public public establishments, including restaurants. Um, he grabbed her hand and pulled her. He wouldn't let her just work the dog across the street. He, he like re- insisted on holding her hand across the street. Just so many things that were problematic. But for me, the worst was that he just never respected her as a woman. Um, and You know, kept putting his hands on her and not giving her um, the independence that she said she needed. And, you know, no means no. And it doesn't matter if the person has a disability or not. If someone says, I can get out of the car or, you know, I can cross the street, keep your damn hands to yourself and like respect that that is what that person's able to do. So this book was just a giant cluster from beginning to chapter seven, where I finally stopped. The guide dog is complete nonsense. Um... She holds on to a collar on this dog, not even a harness. And the dog basically what? does all the work. Yeah, the dog does all the work. It like leans what? on her legs to communicate which way to go. Oh um, and like, she has to work no. it inside, like to walk from her desk to the couch. I mean, it's just completely asinine. And what bothers me about this book is that the the repre- representation of an um, independent black woman is so laughably wrong, so incredibly, horribly, painfully wrong. And people like this book, you know, um, right now on Audible it has uh the, the rating is four stars on Goodreads. It has over um a four point it's like four point something on Goodreads. Ugh. And it it's and people are like, oh this is such a great book and I'm like, no really it's not. And you know, I was like almost wow. in tears reading it because I felt so devalued as a woman. Like You know, no, because I'm blind does not mean I want someone grabbing me and dragging me and touching me and hitting me against walls. And um, this book was terrible. And um, there needs to be uh, more light shed on, you know, appropriate disability representation. And this book should be held up as an example of seriously, every cluster horrible thing that you can possibly think of. Um, but at the how end of the day, not
3: to write a book about not a blind to person? Write a
1: book about a blind
3: person, and, <laughs> and and, and it, it kind of crosses the line because it's not only the blind person, but it's also lack of consent, lack of exactly. boundaries. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. I'm not a human now. Um, this yes. woman is inhuman. So how are these people supposed to fall in love and have a respect? I was just gonna say that like yeah. relationship. how is There's this How is romantic?
1: A, yeah, it's not romantic. She's being objectified. She's being infantilized. Like. You know, like I said, no agency here. And and she's just letting all these things happen to her. And it'd be one thing if there was like character development about that. But the whole thrust of the novel is that she is coming to this small town to be as fiercely independent as possible. And this man is basically signing himself up as bodyguard and, you know, lover. And I mean, just, oh, it's disgusting. So please avoid Caught Up In You, The Monroe's Book Two by Jules Bennett, uh, if you want an accurate depiction of blindness it's not that
0: and if you read it you know be aware that the way that blindness is represented in this book is not how blind people live i mean yes there are differing levels of of skills and independence but in general like this is this is not a well-done portrayal
2: well i haven't read this book but i i From Daisy's description of it, I think my problem is that, you know, there are blind people who are okay with um, being treated like that. And, you know, that's fine. That's their life. But don't say that this woman wants to be independent and then portray it the complete opposite of what an independent Mm -hmm. blind Mm -hmm. woman would want from somebody. Like, yeah. I consider myself to be independent and I would never let anybody treat me like that.
1: I would never leave my guide dog in some strange room and go get fancy with some man at my workplace, like in a basement. I mean, you know, and I get that romance isn't necessarily always realistic and I love it, but this was not, it was just so far from, it was just the lack of consent over and over and over again. And the assumptions made about her abilities and the guide dog and just, it was terrible. Sorry, Jules Bennett, but do better.
0: I think you know it's so. It should be so easy now to do what Melissa Foster did and make contact with a blind person. Use Mm -hmm. you know as Mika says all the time, like Google is free.
1: Yeah,
0: Um, (laughs) Google. You know, get get information. It's out there. Don't just sort of decide like this is how you know, that this is how things work and it's not true, but I'm going to make it true anyway. So Natalia, you have a book um, to talk about where an author did interview people. Yes, and decided that she didn't care what the people said. Yes, um, I do. Yes, Christine, I who is the editor of our podcast and my partner um, was interviewed for this
4: book.
3: <laughs> Piggy, I'm going to piggyback on the using the blind person as a plot device concept. Um, I think it's it's that they don't. It's like no, but what you're telling me doesn't fit in with what I want my story to be. So this book is called If You Hear Her by Shiloh Walker. And before I read this book, I followed this author, I still do, on Twitter. And I really liked a lot of the things she had to say about a lot of things. And I had been recommending her books for a long time. So I was very excited. Now, I'm going to start with a disclaimer. This is a trilogy. It's called, I think, The Ash Trilogy. And I have to say that these books are wonderful, really. I really enjoyed these books. I loved the mystery. I never saw things coming. It was the perfect recipe of romantic suspense that I love.
0: It is. It's like a solid mystery, oh my a solid God. romance. Like there's so much to so love much about amazing.
3: it. I mean, I really even want to reread them and you know rewrite I the parts that say, I have a problem. I wonder with if I like should read them again. <laughs> yeah, and I'll just rewrite the parts I have a problem with in my head. So because there's a butt here, yes, there's a blind character. And in, in this book, this blind character, it's so cool because she's a chef and I love it. And she's a chef, I think, for a hotel. And, you know, she's not actually interviewing for it or anything. She's already established. And the book starts because she hears somebody screaming in the wood and it sounds like something bad is happening to a woman in the woods and she reports it. And, you know, of course, there's the, oh, but you didn't see anybody. How did you hear a thing going on? Which that doesn't bother me. Um, the ignorance of other people in books as g- referred to other to blind people, if it's not the hero or something, doesn't bother me because it's reality. It's what we live with every day. But what did bother me about this book, number one, was The Guide Dog. Um, I've never heard of a 28-inch Labrador. Uh, I don't even think miniature... Some people use miniature horses as guides, and I don't even think they're 20 inches tall. I think so that was- miniature horses are... 30 inches, I think. No, I I yep. think they're like 50 something pounds and maybe like 25.
2: Well, some of them can it's be around show, 30 okay. inches. Cause like maybe. some you're yeah. right. Maybe I was I've wrong. seen a shepherd that was like 31 inches. My so. like
3: well, shepherd. More than more than the height of the dog. It was the dog's behavior. So <laughs> Um, I'm not going to spoil the novel, but all I will say is that at the end of the novel, the, author, the character tells the dog to attack as if it was a command. And um, for those of us who have guide dogs, <laughs> um, when I tell Naira, Naira, attack! She just, like, hugs me. <laughs> she doesn't even know what the heck that means. So, you know, guide dogs are not trained to be violent. They're not trained to attack or to be aggressive. They're not bred to be any of these things because, you know, if they were aggressive, they wouldn't be able to be in public, right? With, uh, you know, they go to all kinds of places. If they were able to be provoked, that would be a bad thing. So, I was very surprised by this you know, command. And I would have respected her more. Um, I would have respected the author more if the dog would have defended the blind person just because rather than it be a command, just because, you know, you could have, right. She could have written it with the idea that, okay, a dog's a dog, you know, like I'm not violent, but if, right. if you try to hurt my baby, I'm probably going to, you know, go mm-hmm. after you. You know, well, so and, and some guide
1: dogs, ha- dogs would defend, like if right. their person is endangered, but it's they not a dogs. Would.
3: A dog, you right? Know, maybe by maybe not by attacking per se, but by getting in between, maybe by barking, or Crowley. you know, doing something a dog does. I would have respected it more, but giving the command to a guide dog to attack—that um, is not a thing.
0: That dog uh, also never wore a harness,
3: right? Was was never like, wore a really, harness. Which was
0: really, really super weird
3: to me. It just had a leash. And it never had, like, work mode and non-work mode. Like, everybody pet the dog anyway. Yeah, it was time. just always, like, <laughs> uh, there. Yeah, it, I just, oh, my goodness. It was just so inaccurate. And I feel that it's even worse because she did interview a legit blind person with a legit guide dog. And I do recognize that all of us have different experiences. And all of us have different levels of tolerance, too. Because even though we're all blind, we're people at the end of the day. And we have different... Uh, ways that we see life and things but the way a guide dog is supposed to be is pretty universal even if you train them yourself you know um, they have their work mode they have they have their play mode and um, I've never seen such a big dog before but maybe that's just me my dog is relatively small so I'll you know say that and I think that's all that I can think of Um, but this is
0: you train your own dogs can rogue like attack people if you tell her to no she's not allowed to attack people sorry i was on mute oh <laughs> so you can't just like walk around and like tell her to uh
4: no and she wears a harness and amazing and she, and she has like she knows <laughs> um so like if i take her to my husband's work even if she's not wearing a harness she knows we're in a public place like my husband works at a long-term care and she knows that we're in a place where she can't be nutty. Like she can't be even like even my one year old puppy is she's starting like she's now knows that when her her training vest goes on, then that means, oh, we don't jump around and play. Um, we actually like we're trying to we're like paying attention to what our people are telling us to do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was, was pretty just... offended. I actually didn't
1: finish the book. I was um <clears throat> I questioned a lot of things. Like I did like that she was independent. I did like that she was a chef, which isn't a traditional um blind person in fiction um like vocation. I, I liked all that. Right. But all the stuff with the guide dog and you know, I mean she let it be in the kitchen, like when she was cooking and just many things that yeah, I Yeah, like found in the very... commercial kitchen. Right, in the commercial kitchen like kitchen. In bu- and you know there are places
4: where guide dogs are not allowed to go and in food prep areas i mean because yeah that's one of the places here in canada as well um dogs aren't allowed in food prep areas yes
2: yep yeah like if you take a food tour or like a brewery tour or something they are not allowed in those areas Yep. and like that i respect
1: prep- that i mean that to me is like it's reasonable. like the health code
2: like yeah 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 i wouldn't want that but well, similar, itself, sterilized
4: places. Had, like, similar oh, to sterilized places in hospitals.
0: Right, like the operating rooms. And... Yeah,
4: like you wouldn't want your dog hanging out there with you.
0: <laughs> no, but I did like a lot of things about the book. Like, if this had been written about a non-disabled character and it was just like a romantic suspense novel, um, it I mean, it's amazing. The writing is so good. And I think the hardest thing for me like partly you know she interviewed my partner and then like didn't care (laughs) what she said and this was before christine and i were together but she like kept trying to get christine to tell her that like her dog at the time would attack and christine kept saying like no no you know that's not how it works and she kept sort of like looking for a loophole but like let's just say this or this happened like what you know he would he would protect you then right no and She would say i i don't think so you know he's not trained to do that well but you know in these circumstances and so it was
3: i mean a that, dog like, is a dog she, if i'm not she... in, if i'm
4: not incorrect the ada the ada might actually say that a dog's not allowed to be a service dog if it does anything for protection like that's true. protection I think that's true, yes if yeah, I think if, if you are right about that.
3: Uh, yeah, but
4: and I, like I I she, just...
0: she went into this book like with an agenda, like this is the story she wanted to tell and it didn't mm-hmm. matter. And that's
3: it. Yeah. Right, <clears throat> that
0: the person who is supposed to be like her you know that the subject like, expert, like the blind yeah. person, yes.
1: Like it just didn't matter. Um. And I guess, you know, again, with both of these books, um and I understand that we are not educated on every single thing going on in the world, all the different you know, disability types or, you know, other important, um, sort of, um, diversity issues. But, you know, these books were such sad, sorry, misrepresentations. And, you know, people read this and take it as fact, like, oh, this is so great that This guy is doing this for her. Oh, it's so great the dog protected her like that. And it just fosters this, it continues on uh, just such horrible, like incorrect um, assumptions about people who are blind and ability levels and guide dogs and independence and autonomy and just so many things. And these books have a long way to go. We need more positive representation because sometimes I want to pick up a book and read about someone just like me, and I want it to yeah. feel good to me. I don't want to like be so angry that I have to like cry about it and like write one star reviews about it, and then have to talk to Shannon to see if we can do a whole episode on <laughs> disability, just dis- you know, portrayal, <laughs> so that I can talk about this book. And you know, and so yeah. I think that my my hope is that you know, moving forward, um, people are more respectful of representing you know all different. Um, types of of diversity in books um, with respect and realism.
2: I think not only that, but this whole idea that, um, you know, guide dogs attack is actually really dangerous to us as guide dog and as service dog handlers because there are still so many people out there who believe that dogs will attack them and so they won't allow them into you know public places or like lyft and uber like i still have drivers who ask me like will your dog bite me like no she's not gonna bite you like she'll lick you to death i'm always like the worst i've
4: always like the worst my dog's gonna do is like lick you to death yeah yep exactly um so this
2: is you know this is not just like something that we don't like in a book it, it's just it's problematic it, many it's perpetuating levels. really dangerous and um you
4: know terrible it's also in a way isn't it also reversing all of the like promotion awareness um and like work that the blind community or people in general like diversity groups in general have done
0: to well, sure this. 'Cause
4: it's it just that too, people. yep. Exactly. It's almost it's almost erasing all that work.
2: So um this book that I'm gonna be discussing um also has a blind character. Um it's called Dearest Rogue by Elizabeth Hoyt. And Yay. it is the eighth book in her Maiden Lane series. Um, yes. And this book centers around Phoebe. And she has appeared in prior books her vision has kind of um, deteriorated over time so in this book she's basically totally blind and this is a historical romance so it's set in the 1740s so I just want to say that for a blind character you have to kind of remember um, the time period and I had to get my myself into that mindset when I read this book so Phoebe is the sister of a very important duke and he wants to keep her in a bubble because he doesn't want anything to happen to her and so he hires James Trevelyan who is um a a captain a former captain who uh was injured and now um kind of is disabled himself because he he has a leg injury that um, doesn't allow him to kind of ride very well anymore and do his previous soldierly duties um, so what I really liked about this book is you know Phoebe is a really strong character she is stubborn she's fiery she is fiercely independent and she wants to live life like she wants to be a normal woman with like a season and be able to go to balls and different events and she hasn't been able to do that because her brother the duke is just an ass and just thinks that he knows better than she does about her life um and you know so he hired Jane Stravillion to guard her and she um just it just rubs her really wrong that this guard is with her all the time and so she kind of rebels in some ways um I think it, it just really shows who she is and, like, her blindness. Like, she feels like it doesn't define her and that it's it doesn't prevent her from living. Um, and there's this one really amazing scene in yes. the book where she, like, basically loses her chisel. <laughs> <laughs> at her brother and was just like screaming at him uh, you know like I want to live my life and you can't stop me or something along those lines Um and I you know even though this book kind of centers around Phoebe's blindness and there's some conflicts in the end that um you know I didn't like as much but again you have to put this book in the time period where it was says in 1740s um despite that I feel like in the in the character of James Trevelyan you know where he was injured and there was a lot of talk about his disability as well and how he felt like he wasn't a man enough anymore for Phoebe because he couldn't really take care of her and stuff but they kind of, like, resolve throughout the book where he realized that, you know, he could still be um, that caretaker and that, like, knight on a white horse for her. So I really like that. I, I love... love this book. Oh, sorry?
0: No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I love that we don't, like, fall into these weird, like, stereotypical traps when we look at Phoebe's character. Um, you know, she's not, like shuffling her feet as she walks and you know she's she's a very very well done um character who fits very nicely into her historical setting but without being
1: stereotypical without Mm -hmm. all the blind faux pas that authors tend to use or devices i should say yes and you know I, i really this book is like one of my most favorite books of all time and um I mean, she even feels his face at one point. But to me, it was in the context of romance. It wasn't like just this random, like, grab his face and feel thing, you know? Right. And She didn't was, do it to um, anyone else. No. no. And, you know, I, I love that she decided he needed a scent because he walked too quietly. So she never knew when he was coming up on her. So she, like, mixed up these oils for him or had them mixed. And then he always, I don't know. And but I that it scene where she right. yelled. Oh, God, I know. The scene where she yelled at her brother, the Duke, um, actually teared me up the first time I read it because it was so passionate and so like, you cannot keep me caged. I will die here. I have to be free. And this whole book, even though it's about how her blindness is sort of a cage, it's about how she figures out how to be free without you know without being stupid about it like she's never Mm -hmm. stupid in like her rebellion she never does things that you're like why the hell did you just like walk down the street in london by yourself when you're you know kidnapped you know she doesn't do anything dumb but she just it's she's so passionate about living life on her terms and being free and she says if i if i fall i can get up again and that's the whole point of the book and the the romance was really hot and really um slow burn i thought and yes very really everything about this book was very satisfying and i just it was the first um one of the actually the first historical romance with a blind protagonist that didn't make me cringe i love this book so much makes me happy it is
0: spectacular so my last pick for tonight um, is a science fiction trilogy, actually. It is the WWW series by Robert J. Sawyer. And I give him like all the props like, in the world for just doing fantastic research um, and incorporating like actual technology that exists um, you know, in, in real life and putting it into this kind of alternate reality that he's created. So our heroine is a high school student. I think she's like 15 when the book starts and she's totally yes. blind. She wants to have a surgery that would enable her to see. But what it actually does is enable her to see like the construction of the Internet and to be able to communicate with the internet as like a sentient being. Um, And it's kind of hard to explain in a, in a brief description, but it takes kind of the idea of like seeing and saying like, okay, yes, this is a blind person who throughout, you know, most of the book, like it cannot see. And yet she has this device that she calls the eye, like E-Y-E pod that (laughs) enables her to, get some visual information about the internet and she can see like the way links are created and the way like web pages look and the internet to her like comes alive in a way that like it it doesn't to most other people and this is something that she doesn't know how to deal with at first she doesn't understand like what this operation has done and yet as she continues to kind of learn about this iPod that she has and like what it can do and what it can't, she also learns a lot about what it is to create like an artificial intelligence. And what if like the internet knows way more than we think it does? Like what if the internet is always like watching us and learning from us just as we learn from it? Um, She is A character who uses Braille, she uses screen readers, um, she uses her cane, she deals with things that so many of us dealt with at, you know, like in high school where like somebody wants to date you, but like, why do they want to date you? Is it just like, do they feel sorry for you? Do they just think like you'll be an easy person to like get into bed because you'll be so glad that someone's paying attention to you? Um, This author just does such a great job of bringing this multifaceted existence to this character and allowing the people in her world to interact with her the way like people really do interact with people who have disabilities. Some of these interactions are positive, some are negative, but they're all very, very real. Um, He gives credit to the people that he interviewed for this, and I think Unlike Shiloh Walker, um, you know, did actually like pay attention to what he said and incorporated, um, you know, their their experiences into this book in a way that feels very very respectful. Um, aside from just creating a wonderful story, these are um, www wake. WWW Watch WWW Wonder and they're just fantastic you get them on audio they're done um, in this phenomenal full cast way that I don't always love but this one it just it oh it's, it's so good in so astounding. many ways
2: I love it I actually recommend re- reading it with the audio because I think I read it with audio and I absolutely yeah, I did loved too.
0: it yeah I did too Okay. Jessica Almezi is it.
4: Oh, so the last book that I'm going to talk about also so the last book that I'm going to talk about today also deals with blindness. Um, it's Not If I See You First by Eric yes. Lindstrom and it actually is one of the first books that I've ever read about a blind character because I always feared that it would be done wrong, and I just didn't like how some disabilities are portrayed in books, so that's why I never really read any with blind characters. So Eric Lindstrom, as far as I understand, has a visual impairment or is blind, I'm not totally sure, but you can really tell that he knows what he's talking about. So this book is about a teen and her name is Parker. And Parker is kind of having to teach the world about being blind. So she has rules. She has her rules <laughs> she are so many rules. <laughs> um, so you don't, um, don't trick her. Like don't use her blindness against her. Um, don't help her if she doesn't want help, um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Um, if you do something against her that's related to her blindness, then like, that's it. That's all. No more. And so one of her friends has done something and he kind of disappears for a bit, but then he comes back and he has to kind of work his way back. Cause he really, really, really likes her. And he wants to, he has to work his way back into her life. So it's just that it's just such a realistic book. Like, I remember when I was in high school, if people tried to do things to me and it was blind related, I just didn't even, I totally shunned them. Because that for me, that was disrespectful. And at the time, at least in grade nine, I was just learning to be blind. So I didn't know. So for having somebody use it against me was just like crushing for me. So I just really, really, really enjoyed how this book was. And Yes, her rules were a little bit much at times, but at the same time, they're really realistic. And that's just what I felt. So, this book is Not If I See You First by Eric Lindstrom. I love
0: Parker in the sense that, like, she's allowed to be bitter and she's allowed to be sarcastic and she's allowed to wake up in the morning and sometimes hate that she has a disability. Like, it's not all oh, yep. just sunshine and greatness like not
4: every day exactly it's not every day do we wake up thinking about the world is all about rainbows and right. unicorns. like there are some days when I'm like I just wish I could see just for a couple hours or I wish that I didn't have to catch the bus and like have to spend like an hour longer to get somewhere than somebody else And like, or have to rely on somebody else. Like, and I think that was really neat how she, how she was able, like as you said, to be herself. Yeah, and not to be. And that was okay.
0: And people got mad at her for that. You know, people like said you can't, you shouldn't treat people badly. You shouldn't, you know, take out your bitterness on people. And so people didn't treat her with kid gloves, which I also
4: really liked. Um, I also like that exactly. Because if yeah, I was is... bitter all the time, like if I was bitter, not saying she was bitter all the time, but if I was bitter as much as she was, I know my family and my friends would like be like, "What the heck? Stop that!" Right? <laughs> like like you, you, can't... you can't be like that all the time.
0: Yeah, it was just—it's really, really great.
4: And you can tell that he knows what he's talking about.
0: Which yes, is, I have
4: to read this book. You oh, do. you sure, really
0: Natalia? It's so good. I will be back next Tuesday morning with your guide to the week's new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday morning with more discussion of bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Toodles! All right. <laughs> now. <laughs> so are you going to
1: stop the recording now? and I then like? am.